You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. When he starved twice, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their livestock. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarrelled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading. Thanks, Judy. So you may be aware over the last few weeks we've been following Israel and and Moses and God as they journeyed out of Egypt uh, and through the wilderness. Um, Today we'll be looking at this story of Moses, which is a story in its own right, but we'll also be be looking at this story and and kind of looking back over Exodus as a a sort of a a wrap-up for that that time. Um, So before we go any further, I'll, I'll just pray. Father, thank you for the, 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 the blessing, the gift of, of scripture and um, for all that you've been doing with your people through the centuries. Um, as we open up this word today, just bless, bless it to our hearts, our minds, our bodies, uh, that we would receive the good things you'd have for us. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, so just a, a picture to start with, just to, to go back over the, the Exodus story. Uh, Exodus started off in Egypt uh, when God did some mighty works uh, amongst the Egyptians. You remember the, uh, in the end uh, an angel of death came. The Israelites were protected by the, the blood of the lamb and the unleavened bread. Um, and God worked mighty works to, to release the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. Uh, he then, uh, it then moved to Mount Sinai where there was a covenant with the Ten Commandments. Um, and it was all looking pretty good. Um, There was going to be a a two-week journey by foot to the Promised Land. Does anyone remember Gilligan's Island, the show in the early 70s? Do you remember the song? Do you remember how long the cruise was supposed to be? Does anyone remember? Three hours, yeah, you got it. Yeah, so it's a bit like that. They ended up crashing on an island and they stayed there for as many years as the show was profitable. Um, So anyway... Uh, Two weeks becomes 40 years. Um, The covenant is almost broken immediately and it turns out the Egyptians were rebels and sinners before God but the Israelites could do that pretty well as well. Uh, So God had to bring in this um, a a tabernacle with God's presence. There was priests and and ceremony. Um, And then they were set, uh, still at the base of Mount Sinai, set to walk out towards the Promised Land. With the book of Numbers at the start, there's a bit of counting before they set out, hence the numbers. Um, There's a middle part called the Wilderness of Paran. There's two sections of travel and they end up at the plains of Moab, which is right next to the Promised Land. Um, So our main story today will be just here as they're about to set out traveling again and we'll do a little bit towards the end of, of the plains of Moab there. And so as we look at the start of our passage, it's a pretty familiar scene from the Exodus journey. 
Uh, the people start grumbling, there's a, there's a lack of water, they're getting thirsty, the animals are getting thirsty. Um, it always amazes me, but I guess I do it myself, that, uh, that they can easily forget the tremendous works of God that, that he's been doing and uh, drum, go straight to grumbling uh, and whinging to Moses. Now, when they say they wish they had perished with their brothers, they're almost certainly referring back to chapter 16. There was a guy called Korah who led a revolt uh, and God got angry and caused the earth to open up and swallow up a bunch of people. And then God brought a plague amongst the people. Moses and Aaron pleaded with God on the people's behalf for mercy. And so God had spared the people. So now that these people are saying to them, look, we wish you'd just let us die, I reckon that must have seriously gotten under the skin of Moses and Aaron. Uh, but Moses and Aaron, they do exactly the right thing in the first place. They go straight to God. Um, they fall down before God. It's interesting, we don't know if they said anything. Uh, was it crying out in their heart, cry, quietly to God? We don't know, but they did go to God. Uh, so that was a really good thing and a good model for us. God then gives instructions about telling them to take the staff and assemble the congregation and telling a rock to yield its water. Uh, so that's a voice of grace. Uh, God is a gracious God. Grace is undeserved favour. There's plenty of reasons God could have chosen not to give water, but he chooses to be gracious and he wants to lavish us with grace. And interestingly, he wants to do that through his people. He's asking Moses and Aaron to deliver grace on his behalf. It recalls back in Exodus 34, uh, there's a passage where God passes in front of Moses and he proclaims, the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness. Um, so, Moses takes the staff from before the Lord uh, as he was commanded and then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly. So it's a good start. They've started off doing pretty much exactly what God has said to do. Uh, but it's about to go south. At some stage between leaving God and gathering the people, Moses has a bit of a brain snap. It's not explained why. Maybe it was just when he saw all the people gathered in front of him, all the memories of the interactions had come, come rushing in. We, we don't know why. But he shouts out, Hear now, you rebels. Um, so once he's sort of labelled them as rebels, that's the voice of judgment and condemnation. So he's disobeyed God and he's delivered judgment. When he then says, Shall we bring you water out of this rock? Where's God in that? What's happening with this we bring water out of the rock? Um, so he's giving no acknowledgement that it's going to be God that will be bringing the water out of the rock. Uh, he's taking credit. Our Moses and Aaron are taking credit for themselves. The passage then says Moses lifted up his hands. So in the Hebrew that would have brought memories back of Numbers 15 verse 30, this language of a high hand. Um, Numbers 15.30 said, The person who does anything with a high hand 
whether he's native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, uh, and that person shall be cut off from his people. So this language of a high hand means defiance to God. It's, it's the language of sin. Um, so Moses has taken the high place. Um, a guy called Ross Pelling once had this phrase, we should all remember that we're victims and villains. Uh, Moses has forgotten that he himself was a murderer uh, in Egypt. So I think it's, it's, a, it's a good lesson for all of us to never forget. We're all victims, but we're all villains as well. Um, so Moses is not acknowledging God's providing for the water. He's speaking condemnation. He's doing his own thing, um, and he's defied God. So God stays faithful despite uh, Moses' um, disobedience, and that's a, a great model for us over the years, that despite our unfaithfulness, God always remains faithful. Um, so he, he allows the water to come rushing out and, and bless the people. But he needs to address the issues with Moses and Aaron. So he has a bit of a feedback session. You might call it a performance appraisal. Um, we've probably all had performance appraisals at work. The first thing he brings up, he says, you did not believe me. That believe me means trust in me. You, you didn't trust in me and what I was doing. Um, I wonder if there's a bit of Jonah. Remember when Jonah was told to go to the Ninevites, Jonah didn't want God to deliver grace to the Ninevites. Maybe, God, maybe Moses didn't want to deliver grace. But in any way, he didn't trust in God to just simply follow God's direction. The second point God brings up is that you didn't uphold me as holy. So holy means set apart. In God's case, it's set above all things. Um, so how didn't they uphold him as holy? Well, they didn't uphold God being holy in authority. Uh, God is holy in authority and they didn't obey his instructions. They didn't uphold him as holy in power either by taking credit for the power for bringing the water out of the rock. But they also didn't uphold him as holy in truth and grace. You see, the water flowing out of the rock, that was God's plan to be a prophetic picture of Jesus. Jesus would describe himself as the rock and he would also say that he would be giving living water. So God is planning this as a, as a really gracious prophetic picture uh, of Jesus. Uh, and these guys have, have affected that a little bit. Interestingly, God also has a little revision session later on. This little episode appears three times further in scripture, just in case uh, they forget it. It's in Psalms, it's in Deuteronomy, and it's coming up again in Numbers in a minute. So despite this, God declares himself as holy uh, by de still delivering the water to the people and by bringing consequences to Moses and Aaron. But we probably better not leave poor Moses there in his feedback session. If we jump forward a few years to the plains of Moab, now they're right near the promised land now. Um, and there's a wonderful scene as, as Moses is getting close to the end of his life. And it, and it goes like this. The Lord said to Moses, Go up to this mountain of Abram and see the land that I have given to the people of Israel. When you've seen it, you'll also be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was, because you rebelled against my word in the wilderness of Zen when the congregation quarrelled. Just reminding him again. Failing to uphold me as holy at the waters before their eyes. So Moses then speaks to God 
and, and he prays to God, let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be as a sheep that have no shepherd. So Moses finishes really well. Uh, he finishes with an act of grace for the people because this is an act of grace. He prays a blessing of the people that God would give them a good shepherd. These are people that had rebelled against him repeatedly. Um, they'd accused him, they'd treated him badly. Yet he finishes with an undeserved favour uh, for the people. So looking back, looking at this passage as a whole, I, I was reminded at a podcast the other day of some wisdom someone gave to me a few years ago. Whenever you look at scripture, the first question to ask is, what is this telling me about God and what he's doing? When you do that first, you're in a much better position to then say, what is this saying to me? It's the same pattern as the Lord's Prayer and I think it's really useful. So what does this passage tell us about God? Well, I think it reminds us that he's the almighty God. He's an authoritative king. Um, he's very concerned about his holy name. That's not just a self-centred concern um, because his holiness, it's a truth that we need to be aware of. It's, it's a life-giving truth. So he's very concerned about his holy name. He's very concerned about sin. And he wants his people to faithfully represent him uh, to the world around. Um, when Jesus gives us his teaching, his ways of life, they're not just good suggestions for living. They're actually essential for us to equip us to faithfully represent a holy God into the world uh, around us. So the almighty God, the authoritative king. But he's also a faithful and gracious father. The words from Exodus 34, compassionate, gracious, abounding in love, faithful, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving. Now just looking at that Exodus passage again, um, I've added in another sentence that I left out before because the sentence at the end says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And so as we wrap up Exodus and the wilderness journey, we see God repeatedly having to deal with a rebelling sinful people. Somehow he has to remain gracious and faithful and forgiving but he also has to be just and righteous, bringing a just penalty for the wrong. This is throughout the Exodus journey. It seems to us to be a massive problem. Grace and mercy and forgiveness, but righteousness and justice. And when you look at the journey of Moses and Israel and God from Egypt through the wilderness, you can realise the whole thing is actually pointing towards God's solution for that problem. And it's all pointing to Jesus. The whole journey points towards Jesus. I've put up a few things from the Exodus wilderness story. Uh, there was the lamb's blood on the doors to save them from death. Jesus would say he's the lamb of God. Moses spent 40 days with God without food or water. Jesus would do that in the future. In the tabernacle, there was a, a veil between God's presence and, and the person that would be ripped when Jesus died. There was a bread, there was a lampstand or light. Jesus would say he's the bread of, of the bread of life, the light of the world. And there was sacrifice at the tabernacle. 
There was an, also an episode where Moses lifted up a wooden pole that had a snake on and everyone who looked at it would live. Um, and that represents Jesus on the cross with the sin upon him. There was the punishment of the Egyptians and the Israelites. There was God's merciful provision of food and water. The picture we saw today of a rock pouring out life-giving water. And even Moses' prayer for a good shepherd of the people. All those things were heading towards Jesus. So Jesus would be the answer to that problem. He would take the, the sin and guilt onto himself to allow God to... to to, to meter out a just punishment. Um, the veil would be torn and we'd have a life-giving relationship restored with God. So although we should have reverence and awe and respect for God, the almighty God, we don't need to fear punishment. Of course, God will correct us and lead us uh, when we stray, but 100% of our penalty for sin has been paid on Jesus. So for us, what would a faithful, gracious life look like today? Something like how Moses finished. Um, just something that's relevant for recent events. I'll just uh, ask Miriam to show a really short, short video. Praise the Lord. It is my privilege to introduce Pastor Roshan from Zion Church, Batticolo. This is one of the churches which was uh, bombed. Pastor Roshan, what would you like to tell the community? We as a church, 28 people died, 70 odd people are still in, uh, hospitalized, some are in critical condition, but still, we are hurt, we are angry also, but still, as a as, the, as a senior pastor of Zion Church Vatican, the whole congregation and every family affected, we say to the, the suicide bomber and also to the group that sent the suicide bomber that we love you and we forgive you. No matter what you have done to us, we love you because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. We also, who follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ, we say, for the Lord to forgive these people. Amen, hey? Yeah, give that a clap. Um, so I think in our responses, we, we want to go out, we want to be like that. We want to be the voice of grace uh, and truth in the world. Um, so I think as we, as we look at the, the full picture of Jesus and, and the Father, um, we're enabled to do that. Um, we can reflect on Jesus and, and God as our, as our King, uh, serious about his holiness. When we do that, we'll take seriously his teachings and his ways of life to, to represent him well. And I know there's periods in my life where I need to focus more on this aspect of God. But we also need to reflect on God as a, faith, as a gracious, faithful, forgiving and loving Father um, and resting in him. As we sung that song before, uh, um, 
I, I had a picture where the song mentioned bow down before him. So I think as we reflect on him as our king, there's that, there's that picture of bowing down before him. Um, but I think as we picture him as our faithful, loving father, there's also a picture of embracing him um, and hugging him. And I, I think when we do those two things, um, as we do those things, we can go out to the world uh, and give mercy and grace to a world uh, that sorely needs it. Amen.